How's it going, Longhorn Nation? Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McLoon, and with me, as always, is my awesome co-host, Michael Farber. We are recording on Wednesday, May 17th, and today we will be giving you our top 20 head coaches in college football, and then we're going to be ranking the Big 12 head coaches going into the 2023 season. Before we get into it, though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns' updated roster, depth chart, the 2023 recruiting class, transfer portal additions and departures, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check all that out. Finally, Michael, how was your weekend? Yeah, had a pretty good weekend. Um, obviously, Mother's Day. So to shout out to all the mothers out there uh, who are listening. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, pretty good. Um, you know, nothing too crazy. Just kind of relax and enjoy the weekend. And um, yeah, didn't really do too much, which was nice. So uh, overall, good weekend and, and looking forward to this weekend and Probably a, a lot of the same because these these uh, late spring, early summer weekends, uh, it's just nice to relax, especially when you have a good weather, you know, because it feels like here we went straight from winter to summer. Like we, we didn't get too. much of a spring. So so <laughs> yeah. hopefully hopefully we get some good weather this weekend and, and kind of relax and enjoy it. But yeah, pretty good. How about you? Absolutely. No, I'm kind of the same way. Um, pretty easy weekend last weekend. I think this weekend's going to be about the same. We're going to do some yard work. I want to build a shed. This uh, this summer, my garage is just getting eaten up by uh, lawnmowers and other <laughs> things that I probably don't really need. But um, yeah, so so I want to get a shed going. So we got some yard work to do, but that's not too bad, you know. It's it's still pretty relaxing for the most part of a day. So yeah, um, yeah nothing nothing major. Um, all right, uh, do you want to? Let's talk about these top twenty college football head coaches um we both got a list of 20 i told you ahead of time but i kind of cheated i put mine in tiers so i really have a top 25 basically because that's kind of where my last tier tier six kind of cut off from um Mm -hmm. i think we'll go down from 20 on to 16 in increments of five so forth and so on and uh, i'll kind of explain my tiers as they go, but I'll try to stay in that um, five coach threshold and we'll kind of talk about them as we go too. So uh, my last tier is tier number six. And these are guys who um, kind of performed pretty well, even though they were in spots that aren't really the best. Um, number 20 is Sam Pittman at Arkansas. Uh, and then like the, my honorable mentions here, 21, 22, 23, 24, and 25 are Mark Stoops, Lance Leipold, Matt Campbell, Kirk Ferentz, and Jeff Brom. The, all of these guys, all six of these guys, they've all had success at places where you're not really going to see a whole lot of success. Arkansas is a spot that used to be a huge uh, football program, especially when they were in the Southwest Conference with Texas, with Texas A&M, with Baylor, when they could recruit the state of Texas as well as anyone. Um, but 
moving to the SEC, um, things have really changed for Arkansas. Now I feel like it's just a spot where um, if you're making consistent bowl games in an SEC schedule, you're doing a pretty good job. And I think Sam Pittman is kind of turning Arkansas around in that way. Um, now, back to uh, tier number five. I got at number 19, Gus Milzahn. Uh, at number 18, Brent Bielema. At number 17, Matt Rule. And number 16, I got Mac Brown. Um, what are your thoughts there on those five? I didn't have any of those. So, so it's, oh, wow. it, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Matt Rule was one that I almost put in there, but I kind of left him off. Um, Mac Brown, I didn't really think of. I didn't really put him in the top 20. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's kind of one of those that he, he, he's a borderline one for me. Um, if we were going into all time, just their career, he would he would obviously be in there. Um, yeah, I should have mentioned that. My tier five and Mac Brown through Gus Malzahn is in this tier where I'm I'm giving them their dues for what they've done in the past. Yeah, as well. Like Matt Rule did a really good job um, at Temple and then at Baylor. Uh, Mac Brown, we obviously know what he's done. Brent Bielema has been consistently good. Obviously kind of turned Wisconsin into a really, really great football program. And then Gus Milzahn, obviously winning with Auburn. So all those guys are mostly the past guys. That's why I put them all in that same tier. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that completely. Um, I, I will hit on Matt Rule a little bit. He's one that, you know, I think he could sneak into, uh, obviously depending on the season he has this year. But I think he could sneak into that top 10 current college football coach. Um, if he has a really good year and kind of controls the West um, in the Big Ten. Um, but he just barely fell outside my top 20 because I, I was thinking about him. I was thinking about putting him in there, but I decided not to. Um, you know, being away from the college game for a couple years, um, it's going to be interesting to see how he transitions back. Um, he was a great coach at Baylor um, and, and also Temple before that. But I think he's going to be really good at Nebraska, but just transitioning back from the NFL, it might be a little bit tough for him. Um, But let me throw mine in there, 20 to 16. At number 20, I have Mark Stoops. Uh, Number 19, I have Willie Fritz. Uh, Number 18, I have Lance Leipold. 17, uh, a little bit of bias here, but Steve Sarkeesian. And 16, I have Kalen DeBoer. Okay. Um... Yeah, you know what I, I will say? I think Kalen DeBoer is a guy that I overlooked a little bit just because he's only had one season. I did the mm-hmm. same thing with Dan Lanning. I don't know if you'll have him in, in coming up, but those are guys that I just completely just took away, but they probably deserve to be yeah. ahead of a guy like Sam Pittman and uh, Matt Rule, who hasn't really come back to the college game yet. I'm just kind of giving those guys their their respect. And then I couldn't put them up too high. You know, I couldn't put yeah. DeBoer in, the, in that top top 15 range with some other guys. So, um, yeah, um, Willie Fritz, I again, another one. Um, I probably should have put him on there. That's a great call, honestly. I mean, Tulane has been great. Um, they were the best G5 program. You know, they would have made it into the playoff, which is yeah, crazy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and they've been consistently good as well. Um, so, yeah, Willie Fritz is a guy who really good call by you and somebody who I'm kind of kicking myself for for not putting up here. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't. It, who else? Who else did you throw in there? Um. So I had Stoops, Leipold, and Sark were the other three. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And then Leipold and Stoops, I had in that tier six there, whether yeah, on the outside looking in, but. Uh, I'm not going to fight you too much. I, I would definitely throw those guys in there. Um, Sark is a guy who I just couldn't do because he hasn't done anything as a head coach yet, except for have really good recruiting classes. And, um, you know, I just had to put other guys there ahead of him. But if I were to pick a head coach for my program, I feel like Sark would be a lot, lot higher on my list, but he did not make my, uh, my top 25 <laughs> here, unfortunately. So, um, yeah. Uh, all right. Maybe we'll keep going. Uh, and I'll give you my 15 through 11 here. Uh, this is all tier four. These are all guys who I think are really good coaches. Um, for one reason or another, I think these are kind of the cream of the crop here, um, but they do have some faults. And that's Mario Cristobal at 15, Lane Kiffin at 14, uh, Chris Kleiman at 13, Chip Kelly at 12, and then Josh Heupel at 11. Okay. So I had a couple in there that, that matched. Um, okay. I didn't throw um, Chip Kelly in there. I, I I thought I should have. Um, he's not on my list at all, which mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking about throwing him in there, throwing him in there, but but decided against it. Um, you know, I I loved what he did at Oregon. I mean, he he made them fantastic. He kind of started that um, brand up there in in Oregon. Um, obviously, went to the NFL for a little bit and came back. And uh, to me, he just hasn't been the same. Uh, you know, he had a mm-hmm. he had a good UCLA team this this past season, but it's just not the same Chip Kelly. And that's kind of what I'm worried about with uh, Matt Rule as well, where he mm-hmm. went to the NFL for a little bit and coming back, just the transition didn't work very well. Um, but yeah, that's uh, we have a couple of the same in there. And actually, number 13 is exactly the same. So <laughs> we'll uh, oh, nice. I'll, I'll run through mine real quick at 15. Yeah. 15's one that's. Um, I, I for some reason I played more into his past accomplishments because uh, he had a rough year this past year. But Mike Gundy at fifteen, um, number fourteen, I have Jimbo Fisher. That that ring will get you a lot of status in wow. my list. Uh, Jimbo at fourteen, Chris Kleiman at thirteen, uh, Josh Heupel at number twelve, and Sonny Dykes at number eleven. Um, okay, uh, Sonny Dykes to me is one that's really really tricky. Um, mm-hmm. because, because we saw it with Dave Aranda where he had one really good year and we were like, man, he's, he's going to be a really good head coach. And then he kind of fell off. Um, I, I'm worried that Sonny Dykes is going to have that same thing happen to him because he had such a veteran team last year and he lost so many players, but, um, making it to the college football playoff in, in your first season, will get you at number 11 in my list. So, so that, yeah. that's, uh, my 15 through 11. Wow. That is so I don't have Sonny Dykes on this list at all. I don't have Jimbo Fisher on my list at all as well. Um, and then we both had Chris Kleiman. Um, who else did you have? I just need to uh, Heupel and Gundy. Oh, Heupel I had. And Gundy is also not on my list. So, wow. So I have three guys. You have three guys in your top 15 who I don't have on here. Um, yeah, I just Jimbo, I, I feel like it was so long ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah even though Malzahn's was actually even longer so that's kind of a cop-out on me but texting them has been so bad at least Malzahn actually started doing pretty well with UCF 
Um, but man, Texas A&M, they haven't had a good year in the SEC besides that COVID year in 2020 um, since Jimbo has been around. So I don't know. I just, I don't know. We'll see. This is, this is the year for Jimbo. If Jimbo doesn't get it together uh, this year, if Texas A&M doesn't have a winning record in the SEC, I think Jimbo uh, might not make it to 2024. And if he does, he's going to be on the hottest seat any coach has <laughs> ever been on. Um, yeah. Mike Gundy is kind of, sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just hit on Jimbo real quick. Um, mm-hmm. He's one that I think, that, like you said, this is kind of his year to figure it out. He's at this mm-hmm. vital point where, you know, is he going to follow the Saban path where he becomes more of a GM and just kind of hires great coordinators to take over? Or is he going to be stubborn, hard-headed, and, and keep hold of his offense like he has done the past couple of years? If he hands his offense over, Texas A&M has the funding. They have the fan base. They have the facilities. I mean, they have everything they need to be a great college football program. Um, so if, if he kind of smartens up and, and lets go of a couple things, I, I think Texas A&M has a chance to be one of the next dynasties. It's just, is Jimbo going to give up control? Um, and if he chooses not to, then l- like you said, this may be his last year in, in college station. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, man, it's just tough because like you said, Jimbo is also just one of the best recruiters. Um, yeah. Texas A&M obviously has one of the best classes of all time. It might be the best class of all time. Uh, but either way, if Jimbo would just hand off offensive coordinator duties, um, Obviously, uh, Duke's now head coach, Mike Elko, was a great defensive coordinator. Um, I can't remember how well Texas A&M's defense was last year, but I'm pretty sure it was still pretty good. Um, So, you know, obviously Jimbo knows how to hire. Uh, For some reason, it's just not working out for offensive coordinator. Or like you said, he's just being incredibly hard-headed and is not listening to anybody else but himself in the room. But yeah, I don't know. I think uh, Jimbo is on the hot seat, and I'd say Mike Gundy is right there with him. Yes, um, yep. he's had a twenty-year career where really, really good career. Uh, I have it pulled up. He has one hundred and fifty-six wins to seventy-five losses as a head coach, all with Oklahoma State. Um, only one Big Twelve win, and that was uh, twelve years ago in two thousand eleven. So. It's been a while since Mike Gundy has been at the top of the Big 12, but he's always consistently in that top four range. Um, But the past couple of years, and especially last year, was a tough year for them. Um, Obviously, they beat Texas, but that was kind of a weird, fluky game where Quinn Ewers uh, was hurt. Steve Sarkeesian didn't take him out. Uh, Just a weird game overall, but... I don't know. I just feel like Mike Gundy is falling and tumbling down, down my college football coaching ranks, especially because of how many of his players have left uh, this yeah. off season, yeah. including their starting quarterback, uh, their starting running back, um, their starting linebacker. Uh, that's just off the top of my head, but you know, those are some pretty key uh, positions in terms of leadership uh, with uh, uh, Spencer Sanders uh, at quarterback and um, Mason Cobb at linebacker. Those are leadership positions, and they are leaving to go be 
potentially backups at another program, especially <laughs> yeah. in Spencer Sanders' case, going to Ole Miss uh, in a pretty crowded quarterback room. There is no guarantees that he's going to win that job, and he still left and went there instead of staying at Oklahoma State. So Mike Gundy's on the hot seat as well, I'd say. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. Um, he's one that, like you said, he's been consistent. Um, last year was really bad, um, and I – I, I don't even – they've lost so many players from the transfer portal and players leaving for the draft and, and graduating and all that. I I don't really know who they're going to have on their roster that will make them a top team in the Big 12. Um, if he is able to throw in a 7-5, and 8-4 and four record in the Big 12 this year, I will be very, very surprised. But if he is, I, I think it kind of secures his job there for at least the next couple years. Um, because he, he really doesn't have a roster right now. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a mess. Um, but, yeah, j- just from his past accomplishments where he's consistently kept uh, Oklahoma State in the running and ke- kept them in the top 25-ish range, um, you know, that, that's kind of why I have him that high. But this year, you know, if he falls apart again, I could see him falling outside the top 20 and even possibly outside of the top 25. Yeah, no, I, I think – I think that's completely fair, and we'll get into it with my with my Big Twelve rankings. But I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here because I have Mike <laughs> Gundy um, ranked pretty high. I just, man, I just, I just couldn't do it though in in the when talking about the top twenty college football coaches. But um, okay, I'll give my uh, my next five here. Um, this is my third tier, and I only have three coaches in this list. Uh, I have number 10, Luke Fickle, number nine, James Franklin uh, for Penn State, and then uh, number eight, Kyle Whittingham for uh, Utah. Full disclosure, I completely left out Mike Norvell on my list, and I should not have. He needs to be in that number uh, three tier here with Luke Fickle, James Franklin, and Kyle Whittingham. Uh, We need to put Mike Norvell in here. Uh, So, Put him in there wherever you want, but I think he <laughs> needs to be in there. Um, and then I'll go on to – this Tier 3 is coaches who I think are really, really good coaches uh, mm-hmm. that just haven't made it to the college football playoff yet, which uh, we'll get into with Tier 2, which is they've made it to the college football playoff and they've been consistently good. And number 7, I have Jim Harbaugh. Number 6, I have Ryan Day. Um Okay. What are your thoughts there on that uh, 10 through 6 with the added Mike Norvell? I'm going to be completely honest. I completely forgot about Luke Fickle. Um, so he, he oh, should be in this. Shit. I probably, so that's I a probably good clean swap with me and you then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I probably would have put him in the somewhere between the 8 and 11 range, I, I would think. Um, but, yeah, overall, we, we have a lot of the same um, in that 10 through 6 range. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll go ahead and throw mine out there. But – Number 10, I have Lane Kiffin. Uh, number 9, I have James Franklin. Number 8, I've, I have Kyle Whittingham. Uh, number 7, I have Lincoln Riley. And number 6, I have Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so you've got – it looks like you got Lane Kiffin a little bit higher than I do. Yeah. Um, and then full disclosure, my Tier 2, the rest of it consists of Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, and Debo Sweeney. So <laughs> the Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh. I could be persuaded either which way how to rank those guys, you know. Um, I don't think that really matters. And then uh, 
you had Kyle Whittingham and you had James Franklin as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that rounds out your your five. So I think we're pretty pretty much in agreement here. But it sounds like you don't have Mike Norvell on your list either, do you? No, Florida State's head coach. Yeah, no, I do not. Did you I, did you forget him, or are you just not a, not? No, a I I thought about him. Um, he, he was one that probably would have been fighting for around twenty ish. I, I just mm-hmm. think uh, he had a really good year last year. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I, I just don't think um, the consistency is there yet at a pl- program like Florida State. Um, mm-hmm. Because if we, if we remember a couple of years ago, he they were wanting to fire him. <laughs> you know, they were, yeah, they were ready to get rid of Mike Norvell, and and he had a good season, and they want to keep him around. So if he can keep that up, then yeah, he'll 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 get on this list next year. Um, I do want to say my only beef with Ryan Day is. He was handed a built roster. Yes. No, that's built why team. I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Where, yeah. What number did you have him at? I, I have him at number six. Okay, me uh, too. Yeah. No, so, that's why he didn't get in my top five. Yeah, but he's he's one of those that's kind of like a borderline. Is he a good coach or is it just the roster that he got? Because mm-hmm. he's consistently recruiting very well. Ohio State recruits very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. they play really well. I mean, they, they ran the big 10 for, for several years. And, um, obviously Jim Harbaugh got the best of them these past couple of years, but Ryan day is one that, you know, if this is kind of his moment too, where is he yeah. going to take the next step and this is his mm-hmm. roster now, or, or is he going to keep slipping back like he has been the past couple of years? Um, and you know, as a Texas fan, that's, that's weird to say because slipping back is one or two losses for, for Ohio state. But, um, it, it, I think it also is who those losses are to to Michigan and it's in the college football playoff and it's not winning the big 12 or big 10. I'm sorry. But the the thing is, is they have the talent to, to win the college football playoff. They, they have Mm -hmm. that talent there and they've been picked several times to do it. And it's just like, they haven't met those expectations. So it's kind of a turning point for him as well as of, you know, is, is he going to take the next step and, and win an, a college ball playoff or is he just going to kind of sit there and, and lose one or two games a year and, and that kind of be his, his uh, shtick. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll see, we'll see what uh, he does over these next few years here. Yeah. I think Brian D is a super interesting one um, for all the points you laid out. And then, like I said, the losses that he's, getting are not ideal losses if you're an Ohio State coach because they're to Michigan so that means you're not beating your biggest rival um, and then that's also stopping you from getting into the Big Ten championship game so you're not winning yeah. the Big Ten championship either um, and then even if you do make the college football playoff like he has in the past you're not winning those games either so yeah I don't know man I think I don't want to say Ryan Day's on the hot seat because I think that's a little bit of a hot take, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him if he doesn't beat Michigan this year. Um, and not to mention Penn State's going to have a really, really good roster uh, yes. this year as well. So if he loses yes. to Michigan and Penn State, which I think is completely uh, reasonable, um, maybe not the favorite to happen, but I think it's a reasonable uh, thing to to – to think I think Ryan Day is going to be in some hot water at Ohio State and we might see him bolt to the NFL uh just to kind of avoid the hot water and just kind of prove that yeah I'm a good coach it doesn't really matter uh where I am I just 
Yeah, I don't know. I think Ryan Day is a really interesting one. Or, you know, he could beat Michigan, he could win the Big Ten, and then he could rattle off a college football playoff uh, (laughs) national championship. And I don't think either of us would be very surprised either. But I think the fact that he's handed this roster from Urban Meyer uh, really muddies the water a little bit on how good Ryan Day actually is. And, and you got to think about this too. They're they're breaking in a new quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. They they lost a couple guys on the offensive line. They lost one of their best receivers in in Jackson Smith Ninjigba. Um, mm-hmm. They do have arguably the best wide receiver in college football though, in Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Um, so you know, breaking in a new quarterback is kind of going to be the tricky part there. Um, if if their new quarterback, whoever that may be, you know, gets rolling from day one, you know, like like you said, he may be able to beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, win a college football playoff. Um, but you know, that's a lot to put on a young quarterback, like we saw with Quinn Ewers, where we we just wanted to compete for the Big Twelve, and, and that didn't really happen this this past mm-hmm. year. So <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see, you know, who he rolls out there and how they perform. Um, being a first-time starter in a in a big-time program like Ohio State. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, man, I don't know. I think it's I think it's tough. Um, okay, uh, you want to get into our top fives? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you want to go uh, one by one and kind of break them down? Actually, that's probably not a bad idea. Um, number five for me is Lincoln Riley. Okay. Okay. How about you? Uh, number five for me is Brian Kelly. Okay. I have Brian <laughs> Kelly at four. So who's your number four? <laughs> My number four is Jim Harbaugh. Oh, 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 I didn't even notice you didn't have Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that's – see, Jim Harbaugh's in that tier two for me. So I completely agree with you. I think I think Jim Harbaugh could easily be in the top five there. I just – the reason I have Brian Kelly at number four um, is he built up Cincinnati – turned it into a powerhouse, then went to Notre Dame, built it up. Notre Dame was terrible when he got there. Um, it was after the Charlie Weiss years. Um, they were barely winning six games, I feel like. I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Brian Kelly turns them into a consistent national championship contender. Yep. Um, yep. They played for at least one national championship. They made it to a couple college football playoffs. Um, and then he moves on to LSU, which is a step up from Notre Dame, and he has um, an SEC championship um, appearance in his first year. Um, so I don't know. I think Brian Kelly is just a hell of a head coach. As a person, probably not the best guy. Um, <laughs> um, but as a college football head coach, I think uh, – I don't think you can do much better than him. I think there's a couple names there uh, that you could rank above him, but I think he's really good. Yeah, and, and I, I completely agree. I really like Brian Kelly as a head coach. Um, you know, without the academic restrictions um, that he had at Notre Dame, I think LSU is going to be a, a powerhouse again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think he has the recruiting prowess to do that. He has the coaching, obviously, to do that. Um, and they may be one to look out for this year. Um, the reason I have Harbaugh at four uh, above them and, and kind of, you know, I think one, two, three are like one, a one B one C and there's a big drop mm-hmm. off to number four. Um, mm-hmm. But I have him there just because the consistency over the past couple of years, uh, you know, he yeah. was the same way where he was on the hot seat. They were talking about firing him, And then he has a big year last year. 
or, or sorry, two years ago, and then this past season he has a big year as well. Um, I, I think Michigan's on the come up. I think they're they're going to start running the Big Ten, and and, and you know the Big Ten championship is going to go through uh, Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan, they they're recruiting really really well right right now. It seems like everything mm-hmm. that Hayes puts out on Twitter now is this guy committed to Michigan. It's like every single post he has. Um, so they're killing it in recruiting right now, and I think that's only con- going to continue, um, especially if if they keep winning the way they are. So um, that that's another thing where you know if if Harbaugh dominates the Big Ten, you know what does Ryan Day do? Like you said, does he bowl for the NFL or do, does he kind of sit there and and try to to get back above on uh, Michigan? So we'll see how it plays out, but that's kind of why I have him at four uh, above Brian Kelly there. Yeah, that you know what you mentioned recruiting and it. And it has, and it is good right now. But last year's class was so bad in terms for Michigan. But in the past three classes, Michigan's only ranked in the top ten one time. Uh, in twenty twenty two, they ranked uh, ninth. Um, in twenty 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 one, sorry, they were thirteenth, and then twenty twenty three, they ranked seventeenth. Uh, so I'm a little, I don't know, I don't. I think what doesn't help Jim Harbaugh right now is that he keeps flirting with NFL jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like recruits aren't really trusting him. I don't know though, but like you mentioned right now in the 2024 class, they're number one, uh, but they also have 17 commits. So yep. that matters too. And six of them are three stars. So they're not blue chip players. So we'll see where they actually rank. Um, I think there are academic restrictions for Michigan. So I don't think they're ever going to be a top five team, but I think they should consistently be in the top 10. Um, And then, and like I said, the past three years, they really haven't been. Um, But again, he's in my tier two for a reason. I think you could rank him anywhere in from. So we have a disagreement here, but from three to seven, I think you can rank Jim Harbaugh wherever you want, and I wouldn't put up too much of a fight. The reason I had him all the way down to seven, though, was just the recruiting consistent consistency mm-hmm. um, in the past four years. But other than that, uh, yeah, I think he's done an incredible job. And recruiting aside, uh, just in terms of player development, Jim Harbaugh has been one of the best in the country, uh, oh, just yeah. developing players. And uh, turning athletes into actual football players, Jim Harbaugh does it better than almost anybody. So I think recruiting will come for Michigan. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll throw it to you now if you want to talk about your top three, because I know we had the same top three. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we'll probably have um, number one and two might might be a, a little bit mm-hmm. different. But um, number three, I, I think we'll agree with Dabo Sweeney here. Um, yeah, he he's one that you know he was dominating for for a while, and he was flirting with you know is he better than Saban? You know is he going to take over that right. number one spot? Um, and then kind of had a couple down years. Um, and again, down years for Clemson is is losing one or two games and not making the playoff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it's not down years for for every team in the country, but um, you know, I, I expect them to get back up to their winning ways and and be complete be competing for a college football playoff spot again. Um, when they do expand the playoff, I think they're going to be there in there just about every year. But the thing that's hurting them the most is, is 
the transfer portal thing. I, I don't know if right. he's still on that kick, but I mean, if he's not going to take in transfer portal guys, like I don't know how they're ever going to be back to how they were before, where they're consistently at the top of the college ball world. I mean, it, there's so many great players that hit the portal and he, at least before he was very, very against and refused to, to sign players out of the portal. So it'll be interesting to see if he kind of sticks with that or, or if he's going to, you know, kind of bend his thoughts a little bit and adapt and start uh, taking players out of the portal. But um, that's what I have at number three. Yeah. Uh, and I do as well. I have Dabo at number three, but um, you mentioned one, a one B one C I, I have Dabo in that tier two with Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, and Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Obviously he's got the national championships. So that is a clear factor. So he might, should be in his, here all by himself away from the top two um, but <laughs> yeah. also away from the Kelly Riley day Harbaugh uh, cluster but man I just feel like Davo hasn't really done anything without a generational quarterback he had Deshaun Watson he had Trevor Lawrence yeah. but when he didn't have those guys uh, he struggled DJ Uyunglele five-star talent at quarterback. Um, he obviously didn't progress the way um, recruiting services thought he would, but Clemson didn't help either. Um, so is that on Dabo? I think kind of because you're in charge of hiring your offensive coordinator. He's not yeah. like Jimbo Fisher where his offense is the only offense. They kind of kept it in the system for a while, but when Tony Elliott left, they brought in a guy – similar uh i'm I'm losing his name right now but they fired him now they bring in garrett riley lincoln riley's brother uh i think garrett riley is on the fast track for a head coaching job yes i think it's gonna take one year in clemson before he uh he gets a coaching job and we'll talk about some jobs that are opening up um but i think a topical one would be houston and dana holgerson who are kind of on the hot seat here and Garrett Riley knows Texas. So I think that is a perfect, perfect fit. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, no, I, I have Dabo at, at number three as well. And I don't know. I think he's he's a great head coach, obviously. And Cade Klubnik is a great quarterback. So maybe Dabo can, can make some magic again. Yeah, and I'm going to be interested to see, you know, what Garrett Riley can do with, with Cade. Um, because mm-hmm. I, I think he's a fantastic quarterback, and I was kind of uh, annoyed that Sark didn't even reach out to him or, or send out an offer. Uh, but right. he was happy with Malik, and you know Malik looked really good in the spring game. Obviously, we haven't seen him in, in actual um, live action, but um, you know maybe we'll see that over the next couple of years here. Um, but yeah, Dabo, Dabo is one that's like I said, he's in an interesting spot where you know is he going to adapt or is he going to die? You know, is he going to Right. embrace the transfer portal and start bringing in those top tier talent that enters or, or is he just going to sit there and be stubborn and, and refuse to take players like he has over the past couple of years. But um, yeah, I, I think we can jump into our top two here. I, I yeah, I have a feeling we're going to have them switched. Um, but, but I don't know. Let's, I want to hear yours first. Okay. I have Nick Saban at number two and I have Kirby Smart as number one. 
I, I thought you were going to have that. <laughs> you did. You yeah. did. Okay. I, I thought maybe you thought I would have him saving it one. I literally switched it right before we got on the pod. I just. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I And I'll, I'll kind of throw my argument for having saving it one. Um, mm-hmm. Just the consistency. I mean, it's it's going on, what, 15 years now that, that mm-hmm. he's dominated college football. I, 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 I honestly think Kirby Smart is the next Nick Saban. He's just going to take that yeah. torch and continue with it at Georgia. Um, but I, I just need to see I, – I, I don't know. I don't know what point he has to get to you to pass to Saban. A, a repeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what point he has to get to to pass Saban. I, I'm not going to say that he has to win more national championships and save him to pass him. But um, I, I feel like if he does three P that'll, that'll kind of tip the needle for me and, and put him at number one. But I mean, it, it's kind of hard to go against Saban uh, just how he's dominated the game over, over the past 15 years, um, almost two decades. You know, he, he had a really good stretch there with LSU too. So um, yeah, for right now, I, I still have Saban at one and Kirby at two. Yeah. Okay. You want, do you want to know why I, I swapped it right, literally right before we got of the pod is Nick Saban, that quarterback situation going into 2023 is like crazy to me um, that they bring in Notre Dame's backup quarterback to uh, a room that obviously didn't impress anybody in the spring. Um, I'm, I'm losing their names here. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but the two Alabama quarterbacks, were on the roster uh um maybe you can google it for me i think it's yeah. ty simpson and uh and uh milro jalen milro yes yep yeah i mean if those two guys didn't really impress you to bring in notre dame's backup who notre dame went out into the transfer portal to replace in tyler buckner uh if you got to bring that guy in um Man, that is just not a good sign for Alabama uh, in heading into the 2023 season. Um, on the flip side, what Kirby Smart just did is pull in the best quarterback prospect since Quinn Ewers uh, in Dylan Rayola. So I just think Kirby is basically doing what Nick Saban did when he started to get the Tua Tungavailoas, the Bryce Youngs at mm-hmm. the quarterback position to Alabama. That's what Kirby is now doing at Georgia. So maybe maybe I am one offseason too early on Kirby Smart being number one, but I think just pulling in a guy like Dylan Rayola into uh, the recruiting class, and Georgia's going to have a really, really good shot to beat that Texas A&M uh, recruiting class from a few years ago and get that number one overall spot because having that – quarterback not only are you going to recruit at a georgia level now you have the pied piper as well for the offensive side of the ball you know georgia's going to get those defensive guys but what they haven't been able to get consistently is those wide receivers um to their program they've been able to get some tight ends some offensive linemen but the wide receivers have been escaping them to guys to places like ohio state um now dylan raiola being there those wide receivers are going to be way more interested to play at the university of Georgia. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I might be a year early fully admit that, but I just think Kirby <laughs> Smart is really scary walking in the sec and having, having him there and knowing that he will be there 
for the next 15 to 20 years. Yeah, it, it's it's not going to be fun. <laughs> that, that's yeah. just a simple way to put it. Um, right. And and I pulled up Alabama's depth chart, um, but just looking at it, it looks like Saban is just pulling in as many guys as possible to, to, to kind of throw something at the wall and hopefully it sticks. I mean, right. like we talked about, Jalen Melrose, Ty Simpson, uh, Tyler Buckner, like you talked about, they brought in Eli Holstein. He's a freshman, but he was highly rated quarterback this past cycle. I, I mean, they have a lot of options, but they just have to find one that they like. Um, yeah. And then bringing in Buckner, you know, it, it kind of leans towards they're not very confident in that quarterback room. Right. Uh, Which makes me not confident because I watched Tyler Buckner yes. play football. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, obviously they, they're, they're thinking about it from the Bryce Young point of view of we had Bryce Young. Like, this is what we expect. This is the level of play we expect. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So there's going to be a little bit of a gap there, obviously, but one, maybe one of these guys turns out, maybe Ty Simpson or Eli Holstein turns out, but uh, Jalen Milrow and Tyler Buckner, I, I just don't think those are the guys, honestly. They, right. they, they, especially Jalen Milrow, he just looked lost um, when he was playing, um, replacing Bryce Young when he was injured. So I don't really know what they're going to be able to do in that quarterback room this season. Yeah, and to defend Milrow a little bit, we do remember Hudson Card how he looked against Arkansas in that week two game. But then the next year, he looked a lot, lot, lot better replacing Quinn Ewers when Quinn Ewers uh, was injured. So, but on the other hand, I don't know. I just, I I wouldn't feel great about Milrow, um, you know, starting for Alabama, especially when you got to play Texas week two. Um, I think you need to have a quarterback in a solidified uh, contributor at the quarterback position when you're going into a big game like Texas will be in week two for Alabama. But if you're a Texas fan, uh, you better hope and pray that Tyler Buckner wins that starting quarterback job, because that would be, um, just amazing. Um, something that I didn't mention is obviously we have a new offensive coordinator in Tommy Reese who coached Tyler Buckner. So that's kind of where that connection goes in. But, before Tommy Reese accepted the Alabama job, he was the one who recruited Sam Hartman to Notre Dame um, to replace Tyler Buckner. So even Tommy Reese didn't believe in Tyler Buckner <laughs> when he was at Notre Dame. <laughs> so much so that he recruited another quarterback. So it, it, it just seems like a mess in the quarterback room for Alabama right now. But like you said, as much of a mess as it is, there's still so much talent there that, they could easily find somebody who's going to be pretty good for them. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe, maybe, (laughs) I mean, the transfer portal is obviously closed. So, so they're, they're not going to be able to grab anybody else, but who knows? Maybe one of these guys, maybe Tyler Buckner, you know, just needed a change of scenery. (laughs) Maybe Tommy Reese is the guy that, uh, you know, he can work with. Obviously it didn't work out at Notre Dame, but maybe it works out at Alabama. And, you know, mm-hmm. he becomes a superstar player. Um, who, who knows, honestly. But um, yeah. as a Texas fan, you know, it, it makes me very confident that Alabama is still reaching for quarterbacks um, in the portal mm-hmm. or was reaching for quarterbacks in the, por- in the portal. Um, and, and that kind of gives me confidence in, in going into uh, week number two in that 2023 season. Absolutely. While we're on the subject, I did a look ahead line. I might have said this on the pod. I'm not sure. I did a look ahead line. I got – Texas plus nine and a half. Um, this now is probably a month and a half ago. Uh, it's already moved down 
to seven and a half. So I already gained two points on the spread there, but I feel really good about Texas plus nine and a half. I know it's in Alabama, it's in Tuscaloosa, but I just keep going back to this quarterback situation. If you don't have a good quarterback, I just yeah. I, I I feel like um the odds are in Texas favor a little bit. Maybe they won't be favored going into Tuscaloosa, but uh I think it'll be closer than that nine and a half spread suggests. So um okay. Anything else on the top 20, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban specifically, top 20 in general. You want to throw any honorable mentions because you know I threw like five or six names on there that <laughs> I did not have on my list. So is there anybody who you just want to give praise to uh, that you weren't able to fit in your top 20? I, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned them before, but uh, Mike Norville, Matt Rule, th- those guys were kind of on the outside mm-hmm. looking in. Um, and Mac Brown is one that, you know, I, I kind of didn't think about just because of current situation, but He's one that he has a really good young quarterback that that could take him to the next level and even fight for a college football playoff spot and an ACC championship. So um, right. he's one that that could get a look as well. But yeah, just just those three guys for me. Yeah, um, I you know what he just popped up on my screen here, and I think you're one of his biggest fans, and I think you know who I'm about to say now, Deion Sanders. I know yes. we could not put him in the top 25. We couldn't <laughs> put him in this top 20. You just can't do it. He hasn't done it at the Power 5 level, even close to the Power 5 level yet. But he's he's got an uphill battle. <laughs> yeah. He had about 60 people transfer out of Colorado, and then he had 60 more transfer into Colorado. So this is going to be a really, really interesting year for Colorado. I don't think the expectations are too high. And I don't think they should be. The win totals at three. I bet them at four and a half. I bet the over at four and a half, and I feel terrible about it right now. <laughs> um, I got plus money on it, so it's not all bad. But I do not feel good about Colorado winning five games next year. However, I think Dion. I think he's going to be able to recruit, man. And I think in a year or two, I think Colorado is going to kind of turn it around. And even if they're consistent bowl contenders, Dion's going to jump. He's going to get to a better program. But what are your thoughts there on Dion? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, I, I agree. I, I think four wins is probably the expectation. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if if he gets all these guys in there and they get on the same mindset and he gets his culture built right away, I, I mean, I could see them having five, six, even seven wins and just kind of having a big blow up here. Um, because let's be honest, he got rid of a bunch of not very good players. Um, and that's, that's a great point too. He he didn't add all like elite five-star players, but he was adding, Mm -hmm. you know, high three-star four-star, um, even some five-star with, with Travis Hunter, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. so he was getting better talent in there. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get all these guys together. Um, over one off season, (laughs) that's a lot of players to get together. That's the the tough part. Right. (laughs) If if he can do it, then, then man, Colorado has a chance to, to have a, bowl season you know i I could see that Mm -hmm. happening um but you know the stars have to align and and these guys have to get to get together and he has to kind of build his culture very very quickly um but it it, i i understand there was almost 60 players transferring out but um you know i i would almost guarantee that they were mostly two star three star maybe a four star guy left i I just don't know about that um but Mm -hmm. they were mostly lower level or lower um, ranked uh, guys that he was getting rid of, and he's replacing them with better talent. So, 
there's a chance that Colorado can have a decent season, but I, I expect them to be around that four four wins uh, number right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think the bigger thing is how football is such a chemistry, team chemistry sport. You rely on the other 10 guys on the field almost at all times, no matter what position you play. So I think that is the toughest part with the 60 transferring out, 60 transferring in thing. I yeah. don't think it's – but like you said, you know, the 60 transferring out are lower level. They're probably not getting other Power 5 jobs in the transfer portal, whereas these 60 coming in – are definitely oh, maybe going to get power five jobs if they hypothetically went somewhere else. You know what I mean? So you just got to kind of weigh the team chemistry aspect with mm-hmm. the overall team talent aspect. And that's why I think next year in 2024 and in 2025 is where we'll actually see Colorado. Um, I mean, not that they, I mean, they kind of, they kind of have to make a bowl game in 2024 and 2025 just because of how fast Dion has flipped this roster. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was twice as fast as what Sark did. Um, and we needed Sark to make a bowl game this year, uh, his second year on, 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 on staff. So I think Dion's kind of in the same boat right now. And um, Colorado is a place where you're probably not going to get a whole lot of pressure because there's just not enough boosters to buy him out. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of him wanting to level up to another job, I think the pressure is on for him to do well in 2024 and beyond. But this 2023 season, like you said, I, I think he's going to hover around those four wins. Um, I just don't feel good about my four and a half bet anymore. <laughs> if he gets five, I'll be, I'll be ecstatic and I'll be a little bit surprised. Um if he gets three or four, though, I don't think it's a big deal yet. I think uh, the year after is when is when Colorado really needs to, uh, you know, be under the magnifying glass. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And pulling up their schedule now, I just, I just want to see who they play, um, especially their non-conference. Oh, man. <laughs> no TCU and Nebraska are in it, right? Yeah, they go to TCU and then, and then home against State. Nebraska and Colorado State which I, I think they play State. every year anyway. So, yeah. okay. um, and then, so yeah. That's a tough nine con, right? Yeah, I mean. TCU is interesting. I, I could see them. TCU lost so much. It's their first mm-hmm. game with a new quarterback, first game with their new team, basically. Yeah, um, new offensive you know, coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. If Dion goes in there and, and makes a little bit of magic, you know, I, I could see it happening. Um, Nebraska is another one where they've been really, really bad. You know, maybe – he mixes it up and goes in there and surprises a bunch of people. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if they started 0-2. I also wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if they started 2-0. Uh, no. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Like you said, it's, it's, it's a, it has a lot to do with chemistry and, and if they can get it together quickly. And, you know, I, it's obviously biased, but I think Dion can do it. It's just it's, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to, like, like I said, it's going to, the stars are going to have to align and everything's going to have to match up perfectly for it to happen. So um, we'll see, but, but I'm excited to see what he can do up there in in Boulder. Yeah, no, absolutely. Me too. And I think uh, a lot of people are going to be tuning into Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. As long as Dion's there. So, Um, all right. Uh, Do you want to get into our, Big 12 coaches rankings, or uh, should we take a quick break? Um, I'll, I'll leave that one up to you. 
I'll leave that one up Okay. To you. All right. Let's let's just roll right into it then. Okay. Um we won't take too long on this. Um we kind of hit a lot of these coaches or a few of these coaches in our top twenty rankings, but the ones that we definitely didn't are uh fourteen through eleven here. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um I'll start with my four and then and then we'll kind of do what we did before where we'll kind of bounce off each other. But I got Neil Brown at 14. I have Kalani Sataki at 13 for BYU. I have Scott Satterfield at number 12 for Cincinnati. And then I have Dina Holgerson at number 11 for Houston. Uh, your thoughts there? Any matches? I really don't like number 13 being that low. I really don't oh, like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, obviously Neil Brown, he's terrible at, at 14. Um, I'm, <laughs> yeah, there is one reason he kept his job and it's because the new ad did not want to look for a head coach <laughs> but yeah neil brown he's one that's been on the hot seat for a couple of years now should have been fired mm-hmm. this past season and and like yeah. you said ad got a little bit uh, lazy so he's still stuck around uh 13 yeah. i have scott satterfield number 12 mm-hmm. which this one looking at it now i probably have him a little too low or quite a bit too low but I have Joey McGuire at number 12 and then Brent mm-hmm. Venables at number 11. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Brent Venables and uh, Joey McGuire, are my two after that at, at 10 and nine. So I don't think you're that low on them. The reason I have Brett uh, Venables at number nine is his recruiting his first year on the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an incredible class for Oklahoma. He got their quarterback, the future in Jackson Arnold. Um, so it's going to be about, how uh they do this next season so he brett venables and joey mcguire i should throw in here too are kind of at that swing spot where they had pretty successful uh first years venables as a recruiter joey mcguire eight and five record not bad if you're texas tech obviously they beat texas huge win for them um so this is a big swing season for them if if Texas Tech falters, I think you could see Joey McGuire kind of tumble back down. And if Oklahoma falters, same thing with Venables. But mm-hmm. they both kind of build on that success um, for Venables on the field and for Joey McGuire on the field and in recruiting. I think you can see him kind of rise up into uh, bona fide top 10 Big 12 coaches, especially, uh, well, now I talk about that, but Oklahoma is going to the SEC. So Brett Venables is going to be his <laughs> only year as a Big 12 head coach, or his last year, I should say. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm interested to see, you didn't mention uh, Dana Holgerson or Kalani Sataki. So uh, I want you to kind of continue with your list there. Uh, I talked about my 9 and 10 already. Yeah, I'll, I'll go 10 to ten to 6. Um, at number 10, I have Dave Aranda. Um, you know, I was very, very high on him after his first couple of years at Baylor. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of fell off a cliff there. Um, number nine, right. I have Dana, Dana Holgerson. Um, number eight, I have Kalani Sataki. And number mm-hmm. seven, I have Matt Campbell. Number six, I have Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now this is where we get really different. Kalani, I, I think, I, I think, I, I think I rated Kalani way too low like you said you you have them you have them at eight you said i have them at 13 um i i weighed in a lot i told you uh off air but i weighed in a lot prior successes as well because this big 12 uh 
these big 12 coaches just don't have a whole lot of success at the mm-hmm. power five level right now. Um, Lincoln Riley just dominated the big 12 for so long. Um, and all the other coaches are pretty new, like Steve Sarkeesian, Brett Venables, Joey McGuire, uh, obviously the four teams uh, that are entering now, Gus Malzahn, or that he's part of the four teams, sorry. Um, but those guys, they just haven't had time to uh, to win the Big 12 yet. So I had to rate their prior success as well. So I think Kalani not having any conference wins, not his fault. They're, they were <laughs> an independent team. Um, yeah. But I think that's just kind of where he got lost in the shuffle for me and why he went so low. Uh, as for Dave Aranda, I have him at, at number seven. So not too far away from you. Um, he, he does have that Big 12 conference championship. The seasons sandwiched in between that, though, are really bad. Uh, his first <laughs> yeah. season with Baylor was not good. And then his last season, uh, this past season, was not very good for Baylor. So Dave Miranda is a complete unknown. It could have just been that team was super veteran um, and all the stars kind of aligned. That defense was insane. Uh, they had a few NFL talents on it. And they just never really – he never really built upon that, but we'll kind of see he's another one where this is a big year for him. If they yeah. struggle again, I mean, he might be on the hot seat, honestly, uh, if you're Baylor and he's a great defensive coordinator. So I think a lot of teams would love to add him as a defensive coordinator, but as a head coach, maybe he still needs some, some time. Um, now I, given you everybody except for my number eight is Steve Sarkeesian. I just, I couldn't Ooh. put him any higher. I, <laughs> and again, because I waited it so much on what they've done in the past, he's a guy who just tumbled down because he doesn't have any uh, conference championships, not with Washington or with USC, obviously mm-hmm. not with Texas, as we know. And I tried to really just grade them as head coaches because Steve Sarkeesian is in the, incredible play caller him and Dave Aranda would be way higher on the list if I counted their coordinator uh success as well but yeah since I didn't I just didn't think it was fair to rate Steve Sarkeesian over guys like Matt Campbell and Sonny Dykes who have been consistently pretty good especially at tough programs to win uh at so overall I think Sarkeesian could easily get bumped up to a top three spot in the big 12 if he wins the big 12 next year um but as of right now i just had to keep him lower just because these other guys have success um other places so um the only other guy i didn't mention here in my top uh 10 14 through 6 is matt campbell he's at number six for me right on the outside looking in I just want him to go get out of Iowa state. I want him to go somewhere <laughs> a little bit bigger. And I just want, cause I know he's going to be really good. He's a clear, great head coach. Um, I don't know if he can recruit at a level where a team like Auburn, Florida, um, you know, just a big sec program. I don't think he would have success there. I think he needs to go to um, almost like a Nebraska or an Iowa or um, just a Michigan State, somewhere where you're not expected to recruit at a super top 10, top five level. Um, but, you know, he can 
grab three stars and still grab some four stars at these places and develop them into, into NFL talents. And he's done that at Iowa state. And I think if he took a step forward, uh, he could do that at a even higher level uh, somewhere else. So really like Matt Campbell here. And again, he would be a lot higher if, uh, if he's done, if he would have done any kind of conference championships or anything like that, but he just <laughs> yeah. doesn't have any right now. So, um, all right, sorry. That was pretty long winded of me. Uh, I threw a lot at you there, but, um, what are your takeaways or do you want to just get into your top five here? Yeah, I'll, I'll hit on. Uh, and my biggest grief with you was <laughs> Kalani Sataki at number 13. Um, mm-hmm. the, the reason I had him uh, at number eight for me is I, I think he has a chance to be one of the best coaches in the big 12, especially after Texas and Oklahoma leave. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, I think there's a chance that BYU kind of runs the big 12. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're getting into new recruiting territory. Will they be able to recruit Texas and Oklahoma and, and um, farther, farther eastward? Um, but, I mean, just his past, looking at his record at BYU, he's had one bad year. Uh, they mm-hmm. went four and nine in 2017. Um, you know, they went seven and six twice after that, and then um, 11 and one, 10 and three, and then this past year, eight and five. So, you know, I, I think he's one that, he can he can build a program, you know. He he took over after Bronco Mendenhall, kind of had a good team there, went nine and four, and then had a really bad season, and then kind of slowly built it back up to where they went eleven and one in twenty twenty. So yeah. so I think he has the potential to do that, and opening up more recruiting area, um, uh, like like I talked about, I, I think he has the opportunity to get more kids in there, and kind of build a a a very good football program, especially for the Big Twelve. Um, so that's kind of why I had him up there and, and um, just the success he's had over the past uh, few years. Um, Matt yeah. Campbell, to, to think about that, he was kind of, was thought of to be the front runner for the USC job is weird to me. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> one a, where I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple of years ago where he, people thought he was a front runner and he just doesn't mm-hmm. fit that mold. He, he's not a Hollywood guy, uh, especially mm-hmm. on the outside. Like you said, he fits more Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan State, uh, mm-hmm. something like that. Even Northwestern. I think he would fit in at Northwestern. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he did, what he does. Um, I could also see him see him be kind of an NFL coach where he, he plays. Yeah. Um, oh, what's Detroit's coach? Um, oh, Dan Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Dan Campbell. Well, same last name. Um, yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's too easy. That's too easy for you. <laughs> but, but he could kind of play that role where, you know, he, he's a player's coach. You know, he builds up his culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I love what Dan Campbell's doing in Detroit. Um, and I, I think they're going to have a really fun team this year. But I, I see Matt Campbell as, as a very similar mold to that, where um, if he goes to uh, a team like that, uh, Detroit, uh, Green Bay, um, uh, a team like that, that he can have a really good NFL team and a really good – good NFL career um, but it'll be interesting to see if he wants to stick in college football and if he stays at Iowa State uh, if he moves somewhere else in the Midwest or or you know if he, he decides to bolt to the NFL but yeah he's kind of one that's in a tricky spot because he's always he always has a very good team um, but they can never really get over the hump so it'll be interesting to see you know if they do get over the hump this year you know if he has another mediocre year um, and especially after Texas and Oklahoma, you leave the Big 12. Um, is he going to kind of gain more ground and start winning Big 12 championships, or he's just, or is he just going to sit in the middle of the pack again? 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does and, and see what these next few years look like for him in, Ohio, in Iowa State. Yeah, and going back to Kalani for a second, I think also something that I underrated with him is how hard it is to win at BYU because of your recruiting restrictions. You can only recruit yeah. Mormon players who are <laughs> yeah. going to you know, follow – the Mormon rules. Uh, so I think that is a huge hurdle for Kalani Sataki as well. You know, you got to find those players and they're going to have a year retreat. Uh, so usually you're going to have an older roster. Um, so you're not recruiting for the next year. You're recruiting for really two years down the line. Uh, so that's really difficult as well. Um, but I do agree. I think, I think the big 12, I think the coaching is really going to clear up in the next few years. And Kalani could see himself really dart up these, uh, these rankings for me. Um, if BYU kind of shows out and now I'm going to be paying more attention to BYU as well. I think that also kind of hurt him uh, yeah, to no yeah. fault of his own. But like I said, he was on, on the independent. I didn't watch a whole lot of BYU. Um, so that didn't help either. As for Matt Campbell. Yeah. I just, anywhere that, you're expected to be top five in recruiting. I don't think Matt Campbell is the guy for you. I know. <laughs> I just don't see him being that kind of recruiter. Um, when Notre Dame was looking for their head coach um, after Brian Kelly left, I was thinking Matt Campbell would be a perfect spot for Notre Dame. They're, they're a program that does have recruiting restrictions. Um, they, they still recruit pretty well. Marcus Freeman is an elite recruiter. Brian Kelly is an elite recruiter and they're always around that um, like seven to 15 range. I think Matt Campbell would hover way more around that 12 to 20 range for Notre Dame um, if he was the recruiter there. But I just think that that's another just like perfect fit for a guy like Matt, uh, Matt Campbell. But yeah. um, Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'll just keep naming places uh, if, if you let me. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like like Utah is another one that would be perfect for Matt Campbell. Kyle Whittingham, I think, is an incredible head coach. So I don't see him leaving anytime soon. And I think he's another guy who, if you leveled him up to a bigger program, it might just not work because of just the kind of coach he is. Um, it's so much more about developing than it is recruiting. And at the high, high level, of college football where you're playing for national championships, it's all about recruiting. You need yeah, the blue chip yeah. players. You need the four and five stars. Um, obviously you need to develop them. Texas fans know that, but at the end of the day, if you don't have those players, you're not going to be consistently good. It's, it's more of a fact than anything. So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Those are kind of my thoughts on, on those guys. Um, all right. Uh I'll give you my top five now. Yeah. Yeah. If you're okay. All right. At number five, I have TCU's Sonny Dykes. Uh, at number four, I have maybe my favorite head coach ever. Uh, Kansas, Lance Leipold. Um, number three, Oklahoma State's Mike Gundy. Number two, uh, I have him much higher than you do. UCF's Gus Melzahn. Ooh. And then at number one, I have Kansas State's Chris Kleiman, which might we might agree with here, but uh, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, um, so at number five, I have Lance Leipold. I think you had him at four, so mm-hmm. we're, we're yep. pretty close there. Pretty close, yep. Uh, number four, and this is more 
projection of, of what I think is going to happen this year. I have Sark at number four. Yeah, that's fair. Um, right. N- number three, I have Gundy. Um, like you said, just because of his past accomplishments being so consistent. Um, mm-hmm. Number one and number two are kind of interchangeable for me, but number two, I have Chris Kleiman right now. And number one, I have Sonny Dykes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, if, if TCU didn't make the national championship game, I, I think Chris Kleiman's at number one. Um, yeah. But I mean that's that's kind of hard to take away from Sonny Dykes and it again, yeah. we saw it with Dave Aranda. It could just be a one year thing where man, that really good year, the perfect team. Five. But mm-hmm. yeah, if he proves it again and he's competing for the Big Twelve championship again, I, I think he earns that number one spot for sure. Um, yep. But but yeah, Chris Kleiman, uh, Sonny Dykes, those are those are interchangeable for me. But yeah, that that rounds up my top five. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing with Sonny Dykes for me is those are all uh, Gary Patterson's players, you know? Yep, yep. Sonny Dykes walked into an incredible situation, kind of like Ryan Day did. Even though TCU was really bad in Gary Patterson's last year, I think that was more had to do with the players just just not listening to Gary Patterson anymore, just not listening to his voice. You know what I mean? I think yeah. Kind of one of those situations where they needed a change of scenery, but it ended up being the entire team or most of the team, most of the good players. And Sonny Dykes comes in, fresh new voice, fresh new face, um, fresh new offense. Um, so again, this year too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and again, this year, this time roles are reversed. Uh, Sonny Dykes um, getting a brand new batch of players who probably don't have a whole lot of experience under their belt. Um, so we'll see, like you said, if TCU makes it to a big 12, uh, championship game again this year, I think Sonny Dykes solidifies it and he's a top two coach for me. Um, but if they don't, if they kind of have a bad year, like Dave Aranda, we saw, you mentioned it, then I don't know where to put Sonny Dykes, honestly. (laughs) Uh, We'll probably have to wait till year three and, and kind of see, but I think Sonny Dykes is a good coach. That's why I put him in my top five. Um, I think at the worst, we see TCU have a bowl, bowl eligible year um, and, and probably better than that, honestly, maybe like a seven or eight win uh, season. Um, Lance Leipold, like I said, he's done so much for Kansas. Just absolutely love what he's done for that program. And then before that, he has 154 wins and a 56 losses on his head coaching record. Um, with division three, Wisconsin, Whitewater, he has six national championships. Um, (laughs) so, I mean, he's just a team builder. Uh, and when he builds it, it's built to last. So, um, if he stays at Kansas, I think, uh, I think Kansas will be a pretty good football team in the big 12, almost a step uh, above what Iowa state is with Matt Campbell. I think they'll have less down years, but, uh, that could, that's just projection right now. Um, we'll see. And Lance Leipold is really similar to Matt Campbell, where I feel like, and I could be wrong about this, but I just feel like recruiting wise, I don't think he would fit in, in those upper echelon. Wow. Jeez. Uh, (laughs) That upper tier of, uh, of, of programs. Um, I just don't think he would fit there because of his recruiting, but I could be wrong. Maybe when he gets there, he'll be able to recruit a lot easier than he can at Kansas. Um, but if he finds his, his niche somewhere in like a B or C tier program, um, where every five or 
six years they're competing and they're in the college football playoff and the new expanded 12 team, I think that's exactly where Lance Leipold could end up. So I think he's a really good coach. Uh, Mike Gundy, like you said, all about uh, his past accolades and kind of his staying power as a head coach. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit on Leipold a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't he turn down the Wisconsin job or said he didn't He didn't even want to be in the running? Um, something like that when, when they had the remember, job. But that would be such a disappointment because I think that's a perfect fit for him. Yeah, I and – and I think that leans into more of his – he wants to to build a program from the ground up, and mm-hmm. that's what KU was. I mean, right. KU was the trash of the of college football, um, which Texas lost too, so I um, can't really say yeah. too much about it. But yeah. No, but uh, Leipold was there, so now yeah. we Yeah. <laughs> so it can't all Leipold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a really good head coach. And, and you know, if he gets that football product, program running – um, you know, Kansas, they have a lot of money. They, they have really big alumni, um, you know, as you've seen with the basketball program. Um, you know, it, once it gets running, it, it's, it's going in its full steam ahead. So if, if he can get that thing running and, and get the donors behind them, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a really, really fun program to watch, especially in the new Big 12. Um, and I think they've already put money into um, renovating their their football stadium which if you haven't been to the KU stadium it's basically a high school stadium it's it's embarrassing um <laughs> but but yeah they, they need to do something with it i think they've already uh, announced uh uh they're they're doing something to it i, I think they're upgrading nice. or building onto it so um yeah if he stays there and builds that you know KU could be i, I don't want to say running the big 12 because that seems so far fetched right now but i, I think they could be uh, consistently competing uh, for a Big 12 championship here in a few years. Yeah, um, I put a I put a bet in uh, Kansas forty to one odds plus four thousand uh, to win the Big 12. I thought those odds were actually pretty good. Kansas is like middle of the pack in terms of odds to win the Big 12. I mean, they're obviously not favorites. You got to put Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State um, ahead of them. But other than that, I really don't know who you would put ahead of them maybe tcu but we talked about it tcu is basically a brand new offense and and a lot of defensive players as well whereas kansas is returning a ton of people uh a a ton of starters especially their top two quarterbacks um we kind of talked about that uh a couple episodes ago so we won't get into it again but Kansas at 40 to one odds, I would absolutely recommend putting a, just a little bit, not a lot, <laughs> uh, just put a little bit on Kansas to win the big 12, because I don't think it's that crazy. And I think 40 to one odds are pretty, is a pretty good number uh, on it. Um, one other thing I want to know is, cause I have it in my notes, Chris Kleiman has 102 uh, wins and 33 losses as wow. a head coach that is incredible right uh he yeah. has four national championships at north dakota state uh university and obviously that big 12 win as well so that's why he's my number one just an incredible track record obviously north dakota state is the cream of the crop uh yes, for yeah. fcs teams so uh he was a great headman there um so yeah i don't know um that kind of rounds out, uh, kind of rounds out my Big Twelve rankings. Uh, the only one I didn't mention that you had lower is Gus Melzahn, and again, I probably have him too high. I just 
I just rated that national championship at Auburn so highly. And I think he is a good offensive uh, mind. So I think UCF is going to do just fine and have a pretty good floor in the big 12 where, you know, offense comes first and defense typically comes second. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and he, he's one that's interesting because, you know, he, he, you know, fell into Cam Newton, <laughs> you know, Cam mm-hmm. at Florida, uh, then goes yeah, to exactly. Juco, then, then ends up at Auburn. So, um, that's an interesting one where, you know, you, you kind of have to give credit to the coach because he built that team and it's not, obviously not one player, but, um, right. Cam Newton was a phenomenal if, college football player. If there was ever one player to win a national championship, I think Cam Newton might be it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or he's on a short list with Vince Young there as well. But yeah, I mean, that Auburn offense was almost exclusively Cam Newton. Same with Vince Young at Texas. Yeah, but yeah, it's he's one that he could sneak up the list um, with, a, with a good year mm-hmm. this year, but um, we'll have to we'll have to see what he can do in in the new Big Twelve. Yeah, I mean, just talking about all these guys and all their situations really fires me up for the next season because oh yeah, they yeah. could all move in, like drastically, basically depending on how twenty twenty three goes. Um, just because of we we just don't know so much. We don't know if Mike Gundy is on the way downwards. We don't know if Gus Malzahn. Um, Dana Holgerson, Scott Satterfield, and Kalani Sataki are going to mend and, you know, kind of uh, be really good Power Five head coaches. Uh, there's just so much. Steve Sarkeesian, Brett Venables uh, are complete unknowns still. Uh, Joey McGuire as, as well. So a lot of interesting things heading into 2023. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, it's going to be. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the season, looking forward to seeing new teams in the Big 12. Um, and, you know, it, it sounds weird to say this, but it's kind of looking at this list and, and what we're talking about now. It's kind of disappointing that we're leaving to the SEC next year because I, 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 I want to see us compete. This list. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I want to <laughs> see us compete over these next couple of years. But um, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma moving on to bigger and better things. And, and the Big 12, it's going to be a fun conference to watch um, even after Texas and Oklahoma leave. Yeah, and you know what? I, I kind of forgot that I had those feelings, but while making this list, I was like, man, it's kind of it's kind of a not a bummer because it's way more exciting to be in the SEC if you're Texas and Oklahoma, but it's kind of a bummer not being in the Big 12 anymore. I'm, I'm just going to – I love this conference. I think it's probably the second, maybe third best football conference just in terms of football vibes. I just feel like the Big 12 cares about football more than any other sport. Um, yeah just top to bottom um, Kansas kind of being the only outlier. And even they are uh, turning into a bit of a football school with uh, Lance Leipold building that thing up. But SEC is obviously number one. And then I don't know, man, I think number two might be the big 12 uh, big tens kind of, kind of there as well, but they have a lot of schools in there that just do not care about football or <laughs> yeah. uh, at least act like it. <laughs> Like Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland, North Northwestern, Western, yeah, yeah, those Minnesota, like they have some, they have some schools that I wouldn't be surprised if they put zero money into their football program. <laughs> Whereas the Big Twelve, I feel like football is uh, is king at all times. So I just love this conference, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it on a different pod because we're going a little little long here, but. The ACC is going to disband. 
It just oh is. yeah, yeah. Um, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, Louisville, uh, Florida State. Those teams are leaving for the Big Ten or the SEC almost definitely, or making their own conference. Um, and there's going to be some good programs like Pittsburgh, uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina State that are going to need homes. And I feel like the Big 12 is going to be a conference that could kind of eat up some of those teams. Same with the Pac-12, with kind of Arizona State, uh, Colorado, um, Washington State. If, if Oregon, UCLA, or UCLA is already leaving. If Oregon, Utah, Washington, Arizona State, I don't know. If any of those teams leave for the SEC or Big Ten, I feel like the Big 12 will just kind of eat up the best programs yeah. um, on each of them. And I think the Big 12 would, you know, benefit from that, even though they'd turn into like the big, you know, 20. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it would kind of help them out. They wouldn't have a big dog, a blue blood like Texas or Oklahoma, but they'd have a consistent 20 teams that, any given year can make some noise in the college football playoff because they're, they care about football. So they're always putting money into it. And then they just kind of cycle through um, whether they have an elite quarterback, a veteran team, whatever it may be kind of like TCU this last year. Um, and, you know, they, they just kind of make some noise in the college football playoff. I th- feel like that's a good way for the big 12 to kind of stay as a power three uh, in college football. Yeah, I completely agree. I think ACC, I, I think the Pac-12 is going to fall apart soon in the ACC, but I mean, both of them kind of come. Only deal. Yeah. yeah and, and nobody ACC, stays up to watch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, but the ACC TV deal is, uh, is until 2036 or something like that. So yeah. these teams are going to have a massive buyout until then like texas and oklahoma had trouble getting out two years early they didn't even do i think they're only getting out a year early uh if i remember this big 12 deal correctly so i mean for florida state and clemson this is no good in miami this is no good for you um they're they're stuck in a bad tv contract for a really long time the pac-12 uh tv deal is already uh up next year so we could see a lot of movement from Oregon and Washington, like you said, uh, a lot sooner than the ACC. Yeah, and and like you said, it'll be interesting to see. You know, does the ACC try to poach some of those West Coast teams too uh, to try to that, add, that's great lengthen their life, or or mm-hmm. is the Big Twelve just going to eat them all up? It, it, it's going to be interesting to see. But uh, these next, I would say, five years in college football are going to be really really fun um and i think there's going to be a lot of movement conference wise um team wise transfer portal wise obviously um but there's going to be a lot of movement in college football over these next few years here yeah absolutely and um you know a part of me hates it but a part of me loves it because the pac-12 um for as long as i can remember has just been such a bad conference just because yeah (laughs) the tv the tv deal was so bad You, you couldn't watch games and when you could, uh, it was like midnight on a Saturday <laughs> or midnight, <laughs> and you're you're already like eight beers deep, so you don't even really remember uh, what these teams did. <laughs> it was just an absolute disaster. Uh, maybe that was just a personal problem. I don't know, um, but yeah, I don't know. I I think uh, I think it'll be fun, um, and we'll kind of see where it goes. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of hope the SEC expands a little bit too, especially looking at Florida State and Clemson and Miami. I think those yeah. are some big, big fish that the SEC probably wants, honestly, because they have Florida, but I think Florida is almost definitely the worst out of the three Florida schools, <laughs> in my opinion. So um, I think getting a Florida State or Miami or both would be great for the SEC. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, if you could get all three of those, I mean, you, you think about recruiting as well. That helps every single SEC recruit the, the Florida area a lot better too. So, right, it's to it. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. that's a long TV deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you would have to play the long game a lot. The only negative would be uh, revenue sharing and kind of splitting the pie up. But if you're mm-hmm particular and you bring in Florida State, Clemson, Miami, those schools more than make up almost like Texas and Oklahoma. Like those are three uh, blue blood programs where they're going to make plenty of money. And uh, yeah, you know, teams, teams on the lower end like Vanderbilt, Missouri, Mississippi state might not like it as much because that just cuts into their piece of the pie. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it would be, a great move for the SEC. Um, so I don't know. We'll 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 see. Um, we'll keep our eyes on it, but nothing's imminent. Obviously, like we said, that TV deal is so far away. Um, something, <laughs> yeah. yeah, something crazy has to happen to the ACC uh, for it to even uh, happen anytime soon. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, is there anything else uh, about coaches, conference, anything before we get out of here? Um, I, I would just say, you know, if, if you guys listening disagree with our rankings, let us know, you know, reach out on Twitter, let us know, and tell us point. how stupid we are. Um, yeah. uh, but, but if, uh, if you want to come up with a list, but that, that's all I got. Yeah, no, that's a great call actually. Yeah. Uh, our Twitter is at Texas talk underscore. So you can find us there. Um, if you found us by, um, by our Twitter, um, then just comment below and tell us how dumb our rankings are for whatever reason, because I'm sure they are. Uh, <laughs> rankings just usually piss somebody off, if not everybody off. So it's it's always great to do them content-wise. Yeah. Uh, we should actually probably do a graphic. That would probably really stir the pot. Um, but I will not <laughs> hold myself to that. So, um, yeah, no, definitely uh, tweet at us. Uh, you can you can tweet me, you can DM me, um, but you know be as mean as you want, really. Um, okay, <laughs> all right, that will do it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast or hated it, learned something, or just want to support us at Texas Talk, please rate five stars wherever you're listening. Uh, Said at the top, but tell your friends and family about us as well. It's the it's the best way for us to grow the podcast. Um, other than that, uh, we will be back next week. Um, probably talking about these 2024 recruits. We keep putting it off, but that's just because it's been kind of a slow burn. Um, so we're just keep on waiting, but, um, it's only May. So it's, it's nothing to panic about. Um, most of Texas's top targets are still available. So I'm not worried, but we'll definitely, uh, talk about a couple names there in the 2024 class next week. Uh, Other than that, thank you all for listening. And as always, hook them.
Welcome.